Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, the Indy 500 is without a doubt my ultimate goal. Um, you know, to win, I want to be, I want to be like Ryan and, and be able to know what the milk tastes like. Uh, and, and obviously to, to be able to do that for Dennis would be amazing. It, it's, it's just awesome. It, it's the best possible scenario. I mean, all you want to do when you show up to May is have the best chance to win. And, you know, I've obviously got a lot of experience there now. I, I, I do believe I know what it takes to run up front. And obviously Ryan does too. It was an absolute pleasure, uh, you know, working with, uh, Dennis, the entire dry and run team. It's just, uh, it, it was really refreshing, um, you know, to, to see the motivation in, in everyone's faces from day one and uh, just what they put into this to this event is special. And I felt that we all we all worked really hard together. We stroke we showed strong every day we were on the racetrack um, and and really had a strong uh, had a strong race day going as well. If not for some little little hiccups that uh, were, were to the no fault of the teams at all that, that got in the way. And that's Indy. It happens that way. But. Really, it's just, um, you know, it's great to be back with the team. Um, great to be back with uh, Cusick Motorsports. We, you know, thank you, Don. And it's great to be back with Chevy. Um, you know, I've got a great relationship with, with Chevrolet over the years and won the championship with them and uh, look forward to working with them and my friends at Ilmore. So I, I'm really, I'm really psyched. This is a huge opportunity to teammate, to team up with Connor, uh, All-American lineup. Uh, we're ready to fly uh, stars and stripes high. Oh, we've got plenty of news on the show tonight. Hello, welcome Trackside 93.5-1075 to fan in Indianapolis and parts thereabout. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cabin, Elijah Robertson is back from Tokyo and in our studio in downtown Indianapolis tonight. You heard from Connor Daly and Ryan Hunter Ray. That's part of the news. We've got two more confirmed cars for the 108th Indianapolis 500 uh, for Dreyer and Ryan Bold and now adding Cusick Motorsports as a partner on that program again this year. Marco was recently confirmed. I don't think we ever got to that last week. So that means counting the two Dale Coin Racing full-time cars, that's 33 confirmed with three more possible. We'll get into that. And bumping is a topic for tonight. Or could there be uh, a lack of bumping in some regards? Locked-in spots has rejoined the conversation for full-time teams. We'll address that. Hybrid testing resumed last week, and by all accounts, it went very, very well. Kyle Larson is testing an IndyCar tomorrow at Phoenix. Indy Next is trying to test this week in the monsoon at Laguna Seca. As of late this afternoon, Eastern Time, they had not been on track yet. We'll talk about that. 100 Days to Indy is 100% confirmed for Season 2. There's some news to report on the media rights front for IndyCar. And then there's Formula 1. With the move of Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari, which conveniently seemed to be rushed out, uh, first in a report and then a confirmation after the stupefying statement by Formula One on why Andretti is not invited. Is that enough for you? Thanks for joining us on the program tonight. How are you, Kurt? 
I'm very well, and I will tell the audience that uh, you're in you're uh, in transit tonight. So there will be some moments where you may or may not uh, have a great signal. Uh, you're so you're good so far. That's good. But yeah, there's so much to talk about. And by the way, the Kyle Larson, because of the weather issues in the West, the Kyle Larson test is actually uh, going on as we speak. And so oh. tomorrow, tomorrow we'll actually hear from Kyle. Uh, but those the action he got, uh, I believe the if I have the times right, he'll be on track. He started about five this evening, Indy time. And I think he's going to run until about well, past dark for sure. And I think that'll run till I'm going to guess 10 o'clock or so uh, our time. So all through the show, but I don't think we'll hear anything one way or the other. So we can just continue to talk about that as an extra car for the Indianapolis 500. And obviously a very interesting car uh, for the 500 as it teams up with Aero McLaren. So that test is going on. They moved it up just like they moved up the golf tournament or at least uh, canceled the fourth day of the golf tournament on the West Coast. They moved the the clash to uh, Saturday night as opposed to Sunday to avoid the heavy rain. If you don't know, by the way, it's what is it called? Pineapple crush or something. Uh, the weather storm that started up the coast around San Francisco and then is moving down toward Los Angeles. And my uh, my 26 year old son and his wife. Uh, so they're getting a lot of rain in L.A. And so that's why the clash got moved. And uh, that's why I don't know if that's directly why the Kyle Larson test got moved off of tomorrow, but it certainly stands to reason that the weather will not be great in Phoenix tomorrow. So um, therefore, they they took the safe approach and ran today. Well, that makes sense. So I, I had heard somewhere or read somewhere that he was going to test soon. And then th this afternoon, I saw a report on motorsport that said he was testing on Tuesday, but they already and this probably came out at like two or three in the afternoon that they already had concerns about the weather. And it didn't look like either the track wasn't available or he wasn't available on Wednesday. So well done to get him on track because that would be kind of it uh, before the open test at Indianapolis. There's two days there coming up. I forget the date, something like April 10th and 11th, somewhere in that range. I, don't quote me on that. I could be off on those dates, but I know, there are a couple of days in in May that he'll have a chance. So I think some would say, well, wait a minute. Phoenix is nothing like the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But if you've driven an IndyCar all of what? Did he do one day last fall? Uh, it's all got to be helpful. Yeah, it's just it's just helpful not not just getting comfortable in the car. I mean, from a sitting position and you know where your controls are and you know where your mirrors are, all those kind of things. But but I suspect it'll also be helpful just just more practice getting on and off pit road, getting out of his pit box and hitting his marks and just just routine things you know maybe in in years gone by there would not have been a great opportunity for you know a, a, a one one-off kind of guy to come in and and get a lot of you know extra time so to speak but jay fry's made it clear we need these drivers wherever they're coming from however they're arriving they need to be as prepared as they can be. Now, that's not to say they get full use of Indianapolis Motor Speedway to just, you know, put in, you know, 
2,000 miles of testing. I remember Montoya and Castroneves, for example, talking about all the miles they had at Indianapolis, Jill DeFerrin as well. Those are just examples of guys who came to Indy the first time and just had, you know, so much attention on uh, what well, not Indianapolis testing necessarily, but just testing, uh, being in the car uh, as they transition from cart to the IRL. And, you know, you want Kyle Larson to be up to speed, you, not necessarily speed per se, but just up to speed in terms of, you know, how familiar he is with the car, how familiar he is with just the the routine of pitting if if nothing else so this is all good things for not only kyle and the race team but for the indianapolis 500 as a whole and if i'm another driver i want kyle larson comfortable too i want him understanding how this works for my safety you know i'm honestly if i'm a, a real threat to win i'm not super worried about kyle larson at this point year two might be a little different story uh but i i just want him to understand what's going on and, you know, not spin in front of me and ruin my race as well. And then back to the original point, while we think about his presence helping the event, it helps everybody. If more people watch this race because of Kyle Larson, that helps the other 32 drivers in the race from a marketing standpoint too. Yeah, it really does. You know, we can talk about, you know, the Ryan Hunter race and the Connor Daly's coming on board with Dreyer and Reinbold, and we will. And you can talk about Marco Andretti and, you know, go down through the list. And a great story of Christian Rasmussen getting a one-off, so to speak, at Indianapolis. He'll have other opportunities on the road courses, but, you know, as the as the reigning Indy next champion. But none of that compares. You can add it all up, and it doesn't uh, equate to the eyeballs that Kyle Larson brings. Arguably, is, I mean, I you, you'd certainly have Newgarden and Dixon and Below and all these guys from the IndyCar side being at the top of their game in, in North American motorsports. But Kyle Larson, if he isn't the conversation, he's in it. So, um, you know, it's so good to have Kyle in this race. And just a gauge. You know, we've been watching Kyle for a long time. And just to see how he does, it's such a fascinating thing. Kurt Busch was fascinating. And certainly Fernando Alonso took it to a to a more global level, but Kyle Larson in North America, this is really going to be interesting watch for a lot of people. Yeah, because it's a grand experiment because he's regarded as one of the most naturally talented drivers, uh, certainly right now. And just in general, you know, already from a historical standpoint, but certainly from right now and one of the most diverse drivers. So we all want to know, how does this translate? If you're great on dirt, if you're great on short tracks, and if you're great at NASCAR and you've been competent, you know, he, I wouldn't say he's been great in IMSA, but he was certainly competent in the Rolex 24 driving a downforce prototype car. Is that going to translate immediately to the Indy 500? I think it's safe to say we know he's going to be competent, but can he be good? That's the question. Yeah, no question. It's uh, it's It's fascinating. I mean, I think you have to go back. You know, certainly the Tony Stewart, uh, Jeff Gordon conversation, it's it's very similar. Um, and there, there certainly have been a couple others that have been very good in both. Robbie Gordon, you know, had had success in both and and has done many things. John Andretti, there, there have been some um, who have gone to both platforms and and excelled. Uh, but there hadn't been a whole, uh, there hadn't been a lot and there hadn't been a lot recently. So this is this is just going to be fascinating. 
Yep. All right, let's get back to uh, the confirmations. It's not a big surprise. We had been hearing, thinking, and just kind of connecting dots. When Connor Daly said on his podcast in December, my deal is basically done. And knowing some deals that weren't done, all right, two and two together. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So ultimately, he's now teamed up with the guy who replaced him last year at Ed Carpenter Racing. Well, there's a lot of connections here. And and I think the biggest takeaway isn't so much, you know, those, you know, interesting connections. It's you got two veterans, two guys that have one has won the race. One has led a lot of laps and together, uh, you know, they make a pretty interesting combination. And and I think Dennis's cars, you know, they're Chevy powered and they will, you know, they're they're very well put together. What we saw, you know, two cars in the top 10 from that team. Was it last year or the year before? I guess it was the year before. And so we know that team can put together competitive and uh, initiatives. And so, again, fascinating to watch. Now we've got two guys that know their way to the front, know their way around Indianapolis. You could see either one of them conceivably in the top five come the last shootout of the Indy 500 in 2024, and maybe both of them. And so they're very qualified. And yeah, it's just a, you know, it's just great when you have great, great competitors. And these guys, whether it be team and drivers, they're both that. And what I kind of like about it from Dennis's standpoint is, you know, Dennis is one of those guys that loves the Indy 500 as much as the people listening to this show tonight. And he's been successful in life and in business. And it certainly looks like he's gotten to the point. Now, he did get some commercial help with the partnership with Cusick Motorsports. But I don't believe Ryan hunter comes with any budget. And I don't believe Connor Daly is coming with much, if any, of a check. He hired both of these drivers. He chose the two drivers that he thinks gives him the best chance to win the Indy 500, which is all that matters for Dennis Reinhold. Yeah, you think about all the all the – you know, great stories that got to victory lane. You could imagine, I mean, again, you, you have to kind of know Dennis's backstory and how much he's been involved with, you know, his family's history and, and, you know, Dreyer and Reinbold and, and, you know, they're in motorsports all these decades, <laughs> not just years, but decades and the influence they've had on motorsports and, and the automotive industry. It would be a, tr you know, Dennis has lived in Indy is, I think pretty much his whole life. And this would be special at a level that, that doesn't come around very often. I know that, that guys like Dale Coyne and, and Ricardo Juncos and, and Zach Brown, if you want to add him, I know that would be special to win the Indy 500. Uh, but Dennis Reinbold, you know, that's family. That's, that's Indianapolis at its core and his, um, you know, his family heritage in, in the sport is, is rich and he has done what it's taken to to put together efforts. I mean, he was they won IndyCar races uh, back in the day, you know, the early days of uh, maybe not the earliest of days in the IRL, but but certainly with Robbie Buell won races and have been competitive and and so this is just great for Dennis. And I hope I hope he has a car in a top five when when the last shootout comes come May. And I know he mentioned on the conference call when asked that, you know, yes, we're still interested in the right circumstance of expanding and doing all of the races, more of the races. So you start to wonder, we hear about all of these other entities that want to get into IndyCar 
in 2025, there's just not going to be enough cars unless somebody drops out with with finding available engines. Uh, so maybe there is an opportunity for with the equipment, the shop, uh, the personnel, it's a full time team. They're not just hiring people in May. You know, maybe there is an opportunity for them to come back and partner with one of these three or four groups that have said, you know, honestly, one is you'd have to believe going to be a Chevy team. And that's Pratt Miller, uh, Abel, Prima is a sports car team. Uh, who else? There's one other uh, that I'm forgetting that has been floated out there as the possibility of, of expanding or joining in 2025. So we just wonder about that a little bit. Did, did you have a chance to listen to the conference? I did not. I did not listen to it. I've I've looked through the transcript and so forth. Uh, I know it's you know this is such a big day for them. I know we've you know you and I have have bantered a, about this pairing, but still, until you hear it, until they announce it, until it's confirmed, you know I still had doubts even a few days ago. You know I even though I, I you know but you don't know. You know what I mean? You you're just you're hoping that's the way it comes to be. This this pairing of team and drivers, but until they announce it, you know, you just wonder. So it's, no, I did not listen to it per se. Um, well, I was going to ask you a question in case. So, so we'll just kind of speculate on that. So I think we should address also the Cusick part of things. And I know in the statement, Don Cusick mentioned Stefan Wilson because they have been uh, partners since Cusick Motorsports got into IndyCar. Stefan is the one that kind of, stoked the flames and brought the idea about and, and the statement from Don was, you know, he'll always be a part of our family and we wouldn't be here without him. And if we can help him in any way. Uh, so I didn't know if he was on there and addressed that. I have not spoken to Don in a couple of months, but my guess on this front would be there just are not very many seats and a team like Dreyer and Reinbold was interested in, you know, just honestly, Connor, and Ryan have certainly Ryan, but Connor as well has more experience running at the front of the Indy 500. And I think that was probably the choice that these are our drivers. If you'd like to be involved from a commercial standpoint, you're welcome. But unfortunately, there just wasn't an opportunity at this point. And I'm very sad about that because, now by the way, it's not a done deal. I've not talked to Stefan. Uh, for all we know, he may end up in a Foyt car or an extra Dale Coyne car or a Ray Hall car. There are still two or three possibilities that are out there. And he had some partners. This this wasn't just Don Cusick writing the checks for Stefan Wilson. Stefan worked really hard as well on the commercial side. So I would not count him out of continuing as a race car driver. And, and I hope we get a chance to see him. But I just wanted to kind of mention what I know and then also what I honestly don't know about that situation. But I suspect that this has been uh, really difficult as to how this all went. But sometimes it just becomes a bottom line business and you have to look at the realities of the situation. And unfortunately, the limited number of seats that are available for the Indy 500. Well, there were no the point is there were no wrong answers here. Um, you could have gone and made a great argument for a pairing of Hunter Ray and, and Stefan Wilson or Stefan Wilson and Connor Daly. You can make that argument, but I understand 
Uh, well, partly because it's it seems very likely, and we may never really get the true answer, but it's very likely Dennis Reinbold already had it sort of a deal with with the two drivers that were selected, and then Cusick came as a kind of a late addition to the conversation. But you can't go wrong with the two choices that were made, and and you're right to the point about Stefan Wilson. He may have his own path he's pursuing that's maybe parallel. So you know, and you just try to get. You try to get the deal done as best you can. But again, Brian Reinbold is in great hands with, with Ryan Hunterway and Connor Daly at Indy. So my math is cor- is my math correct? That that's 33 confirmed entries now if we include the two full-time Dale coin cars. Yes, that's the number I have. That's uh, 12 okay. Chevys on the grid at St. Pete and 15 Hondas. That's 27. The Kyle Larson car makes 28. Rasmussen in the third car at Ed Carpenter makes 29. Elio at MSR and and Marco uh, make it 31. And then the two uh, Dryer and Reinbold cars. And then we have several. Well, we have one other one that has not formally announced, but we've talked about this with R.C. Enerson coming to Media Day at the request of Able Motorsports. That's... Yeah, you've hit a hit a dry spell, so I'll carry you just a minute. But R.C. Enerson came to the media day. Uh, he said that, um, you know, came in an Able uh, attire and the Able group was with him, if so to speak, a representation, and they expect to field a car. So uh, R.C. Enerson will be in the field. They just they didn't have all the. I's dotted and T's crossed, but they certainly felt good enough to show up at at uh, content day. I thought they might just show up and take photos and videos and get the get the hardware done that needs to get done for the the season ahead and the and the race ahead, so that all the branding looked the same. But he came to content day and spoke to the media, so it wasn't just let's just sneak in the back door and and get things done and and let's get our video and so forth. It was it was full fledged. Let's talk about uh, this deal. So uh, great stuff. It's good to have RC back. So that makes thirty four. We'll still see uh, what happens with with Foyt and or uh, anybody else. Uh, but I think at least. Yeah. Uh, at least we'll have 35. So here, here here, are the other options, I think, um, and how – so there are, I still think, three options. There is no chance we're getting a 37. I don't know whether you put the over-under. You know, maybe 35.5 is still it. Uh, a third Foyt car, which I don't know the percentage of, but I would say it's less than 100%. And then one more Honda is possible, but I think it's also possible there are no more Hondas. I don't think there's any chance there are two more Hondas. So it could be Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. They ran four last year. I would guess they get the first chance of that. And a lot of people have thought that that's where Takuma Sato is going to end up. But we've not had that happen yet. At one point, I had heard Dale Coin Racing was interested in running a third, but did not think they were going to get an engine. So I think the scenario is this. if It, it may just be simply... Who confirms a program first and they get the last engine? And if they're both trying at the same time, it may be, I don't know, if Honda chooses, it may be determined which driver. I'd still have to think that Sato has the best chance, but I know there is the people that support her, and that would be a great story as well. Um, 
But that's my guess. It's not going to be both, and I don't know which one it is. And then the Foyt camp, I, I would imagine Chevy could do it, but it probably depends on what's the number. You know, your answer is always money. So how much money is there? Because I don't think it would make a lot of sense just to do a car, just to do a car. No, I, that it makes the race. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, you know, you, the word dropped on you just to, just briefly, and that's Catherine Leg. That's that's who you. We heard everything but Catherine Leg. So <laughs> Catherine uh, certainly would still be in the conversation. She ran last year with with uh, Ray Hall, and yeah, I'd like to see Sato in the race. However, that happens, but. Uh, also support Catherine getting another shot as well. Let's take it to break. Uh, we'll be back here in just a minute. We've got a lot still to get to on trackside. We've got everything from maybe securing uh, seats and rides for future Indy 500. That's a controversial topic. Uh, guaranteed starters for the Indy 500. I know it certainly raises the eyebrows of a lot on social media. So we're going to get to that. Uh, we've got a lot more still to come and trackside 93.5107.5 the fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hi, this is Joseph Newgarden, and you're listening to Trackside. Trackside continues rolling through the hills and the mountains with a very sketchy signal here tonight. I've got my professional driver. I'm navigating. Uh, we are headed to uh, a potential partner meeting as we uh, review opportunities and some new opportunities on the horizon for Jackson Lee Racing. So hopefully some news on that front of what's next coming up in a little bit. Thanks for staying with us. Kurt, I could hear you at the end of the last segment. You could not hear me, which is not awesome for how radio goes, but it worked out because it was time to end that segment anyway. So let's move on to... What's next? And you touched on it already from uh, Nathan Brown at the Indianapolis Star had a couple of really good in-depth articles over the last week or so. Last week was a story kind of on the business of the sport that that was good, that brought up a couple of things. And then this morning he posted another story kind of on the back end of that, which uh, has raised a lot of attention. And most of our Twitter inbox comes from that as well. And I wondered when this was going to come back into the conversation. So last year, last week's story was about something that we've brought up before and others have talked about that IndyCar, Penske Entertainment, team owners have all been discussing at some level the possibility of some type of charter system like what NASCAR has. IndyCar has the leader circle, which guarantees some revenue, but as has been mentioned before unlike other sports where if you buy a franchise for hundreds of millions if not over a billion dollars every other sport in recent years you've been able to sell that franchise and make a profit so even if it goes poorly and you lose money every year they always know that they can cash out 
In motorsport, all you have are the assets in IndyCar and until a few years ago in NASCAR. And obviously something used is not worth what it was new. So NASCAR started their charter system. It was given to the full-time teams, started to be resold, and then it became an asset. The first ones, I think, sold for, you know, two or three million dollars. Ganassi sold his for a bunch. Uh, people now are buying them for somewhere reported between 25 and $40 million. So that was zero cost other than all the expenses to be a team. And now there is an asset and if it's not going well or when an owner decides to retire, they can cash out. IndyCar is looking at the same thing. And then I wondered, okay, so that's good. That's the business of the sport. But to really make it valuable, if someone is going to pay to get in the club that way, are you going to have to guarantee them what's most valuable, the Indy 500? And that came up again today. Yeah, it did. And, and and you know, this this topic goes back a ways. Uh, well, obviously, for those somewhat new to the sport, it was really the crux of, of the split in 1996, or at least a key part of it, you know, participation in the Indy 500, uh, a group of of teams and and competitors uh wanted to participate tony george with his new series you know said no we're going to guarantee spots if you you play on our our field on a regular basis and it's not the same thing but that's where the crux of the ire comes from that guaranteeing spots um not just there but it, the indy 500 has always been open to anyone and everyone who could bring equipment and try to make the race if you're fast enough you can make the race and if you're not fast enough you go home and it the going home part has been dramatic in many years many many years i mean i go back to some of these years i i go back through the record books and they're 25 30 very quality individuals and competitors who went home and so they weren't fast enough and and we've seen in more recent years roger penske's two drivers go home we've seen bobby rahal go home we've seen graham rahal james hinchcliffe fernando alonso and the list goes on and on of paul you know paul tracy's in the middle of anything in the back of the field in a particular year has been something that's really dramatic and you've had to earn your spot. So that's the crux of the argument. Should you, should you guarantee spots for the Indy 500? But, it, you know, about a year ago, I was asked the question by one of uh, members of our leadership team, you know, what do you think? I mean, we, what would the fan base think? And cause you got to make, I, first of all, I'm very much in favor of a charter system in some form, because I think, you know, if you have a franchise and it doesn't matter whether it's McDonald's or or what have you, you have an asset. Mm -hmm. you, know, you you listed all the teams and sports uh, that that have a charter system. Now, golf is maybe an exception to that horse racing, kind of an exception to that. But most sports have a, a chance to build value for their uh, participants and we just haven't had that in this sport. So being able to have a charter to to capitalize, to, to know what you've got, to be able to resell when you're ready to be done, those are all positive things. It's it's the American way. But, you know, we have we're all, I think we're all fine with it until it gets to the conversation of including a guaranteed starting spot in the Indy 500. My first thought on this is like. Most of the reaction we've seen from fans is no, never. But 
I also try to be open-minded. And I think the, the next thought is, well, there's nothing wrong with the discussion. Just because you discuss it doesn't mean you're going to do it. And before you can dismiss something as, boy, that's a terrible idea, you need at least need to look at the merits and discuss the pluses and the minuses. So that's all fine. And that might be all of what this is. Uh, but but you knew this was going to come up again because the person that owns the place now said six months before he bought it, Roger Penske said, I think we should have guaranteed spots for full-time teams for the Indy 500. And he lists reasons. And the reason why I think we should at least, not that we have a say in it, but why the people involved should at least have this discussion, because if Roger Penske brings this up, this is not Liberty Media, who's just come in and bought IndyCar and the Indy 500 and has no value or sense of the history of the place. This is a person who is in the sport because of the Indianapolis 500. I would think no one respects the history of the Indianapolis 500 more than Roger Penske. So he's not taking this lightly, but he's also a business person. And by the way, I would also say no one can guarantee that as a business person, Tony Holman wouldn't consider the same. The first tweet I saw this morning was Tony would be rolling over in his grave. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe he would in this environment have come to the same conclusion uh, as as Roger Penske is doing as a businessman right now. So the no, never. This is a devil's advocate. Maybe that's short sighted. Maybe my thinking on that is short sighted. Are we thinking too much about the glory days and the way we like it and that fastest 33, which we all love, it is so important? Um, what you need to do before you dismiss it is compare what can be gained by being able to say the fastest 33 to a potentially stronger financial situation for the teams and incentive to compete full time and other things that go along with that. And I guess I would also say, is that unfortunately it's not guaranteed to be the fastest 33 right now. I don't think anybody really wants to talk about that, but it it's not. And it hasn't been for a few years. If the 30th best speed on Saturday is remember the format now is 30 or locked in on Saturday. So if the 30th best speed is 228.0 miles per hour on Saturday, then you have four, five, six cars in the last row shootout, and they all go 228.2 or faster, that driver and car that went 228.2 does not make the race, right? You're right. So, unfortunately, it's already not the fastest 33. So, I'm not – I want that to stay with the tradition that it was, but we've already moved past that. So – is qualifying still the draw that it has been? Are we thinking about ourselves and the hardcore fans that talk about this in February more so than the extra 4 million people that watch the Indy 500 on Sunday that have no idea what happened in qualifying? One of the issues that's come up for teams, and I, I think this has a lot of merit, uh, you know, forget, uh, I mean, 
I've already expressed that I'm in favor of the charter system, having a charter system. I just don't know about the inclusion of the guaranteed starting spot. But let's talk yep. about that for here just a minute. One of the things uh, that has come up is, you know, this month of May that we all think begins May 1st and runs till Memorial Day weekend is really a very short period of time. And if you have a crash on Saturday morning of qualifying and you're trying to make the field and you are even the best car in the field, you've and I know that's always been the case, but historically there have been multiple weekends, multiple chances to make the race. And yes, we have a lot of opportunities with terms of, you know, you get a lot of uh, you could have as many attempts. Now you have more attempts. But the point is, if you got behind on a race on a, on a very short month of May now, you might not make the race because you just can't get scrambled back to get the speed again. Now, that's part of the allure of the thing. And, and I get it. Uh, but I'm saying some of the dynamics have changed from yeah. from when this was intended. There's just, you know. Is, these are huge, and I thought some some these are huge uh, consequences for not making the race in 2024 that weren't there as much in maybe 1964. Um, you know the amount of money that you look at the teams that missed the show, and I thought this was great in the article. Carlin missed the show with two cars a couple of years ago. They're not around anymore. We've got two or three examples of that in the last five or six years where teams came, missed the race, and they never they never recovered. So I think that's important to understand. Bigger teams still have the opportunity to get their sponsor in the race most of the time. Now, last year, you know, we remember Graham Rahal ended up missing the race, but that wasn't going to happen, right? That only happened because, unfortunately, Stefan Wilson got hurt. Or and, and they said this at the time, and I think we all gained a great deal or added more respect, I should say, for them when Graham said, no, we're not going to buy anybody else's spot out of this. You need to earn it, and I didn't earn it. So it, it only became of necessity. You know, Someone was getting in that seat, so it made the most commercial sense for Dreyer and Reinbold and Cusick Motorsports and then the – the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan partners to put Graham in that car. I, you know, I, it's never good for a Ray Hall Letterman or a Penske or an Andretti if they get bumps. But where it's more destructive is if a Dale Coyne race or a Hunkos or someone like that doesn't make the 500, that might be the end because I'm sure all of their sponsorship programs are based on the Indy 500. Um, now, the teams that doesn't help are the ones where it's really challenging is if, example, if you're dry and Reinbull, you have one race to sell and you can't guarantee you're going to make the race. Well, for them, this doesn't change. So they still have to make the race. And in some ways, I guess you would say it gets harder because they could be, you know, one of 11 cars going for eight spots or something in that range. It's my preference would be it doesn't happen. But I don't want to put my head in the sand and just say, no, never. This is the way we've always done it. I think it's worth a discussion at looking and spending more time than, you know, two chuckleheads on the radio talking about it. You know, I think the smart people need to get together, weigh it all. And then part of it is weighing the reaction from the fans, understanding that the hardcores don't like it. And that has to weigh into the decision before they go down this path. 
Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a tough thing for everybody. I know the financial stability of of motorsports isn't what it was, and you know this is a a very difficult. We want competitors, and I know we go through the the field of of how many cars are going to be at St. Pete or could be at St. Pete or could be at the Indy Five Hundred, and it's going the right direction, meaning it's going up, and and it's more competitive, and we love that. But I also know that, you know, a DHL, for example, missed the show in its first couple years with Andretti. And had they not, you know, secured a spot with with the Foyt team, you know, through the Foyt team for Ryan Hunter Ray, maybe DHL doesn't stick around for a decade. One of the great sponsors that we've seen in the last 20 or 30 years. You know, you just you just don't know the ramifications of missing the Indy 500. And they're just yeah. Anyway, it's a it's a very difficult conversation, but I am in favor of a charter system in some form, but we'll have to see how this shakes out. You know, and, and then you start thinking about, well, what if they did do this? That does not protect your Kyle Larson or your Elio Castroneves or the last few years, Tony Kanaan. Uh, we're talking about a lot of stars. Marco Andretti, Connor Daly, Ryan hunter Ray, who we've talked about. Now, here's something that could happen, maybe, it would depend on the rules, and they would need to look into this. If you're Errol McLaren and you have invested a lot into Kyle Larson, if this was in play this year, would they have the ability for the Indy 500 to officially enter him in David Malukas' car? Kind of how NASCAR has, you know, how they would in the past swap the guaranteed spots amongst drivers at the start of the season, because coming into a year uh, based on points from the last year, the top 35 were locked in and they would trade those around for certain drivers. So would that come into play? And how's that, you know, again, only the inner people are going to know the general fan base, 80% on race day won't know, but there might be a scenario where a full-time team with multiple cars could simply take a driver and say, I'm sorry, you're going to have to qualify your way in. Kyle Larson is the one on our team guaranteed to make the 500. Well, it's it's and that that wouldn't go over well, especially for a rookie driver. No, it wouldn't, and and I I don't know how all that would shake out. I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, if the slowest guaranteed car ran 230, then everybody else, you know, who ran quicker than that would be would would earn a spot as well. We have had years, many years in fact, when there were more than 33 cars. Yep. So if if the slowest regular was uh 230, then anybody who ran faster than that would make the race. So that would keep, you know, some some value to uh to those guys who were extras that knew they could make the race if they if they reached a certain minimum speed. I I'm just spitballing, but but there's a lot to think through for sure. So when we talk about traditions, if, you know, that's another one, 33, it is more than a number, even though, you know, someone got caught saying that it's just a number. I think if I had to choose the lesser of two evils, uh, I want 33 in the race. I, I would be more open to guaranteed spots for the 25 regulars than just saying, uh, if you qualify over this number, we're going to have 34, 35, 36, whatever. I would much more prefer it to be limited to 33. 
that's what people on race day will notice. I, and, I agree. Personally, if there's less, I think it's important. And, and, you know, luckily we're not in that situation, but it's probably worth the investment for IndyCar and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. If they have to financially help to get to 33, I think that's probably worth it. I would agree with all that. I just spitballing. There's a no, lot. I get that's what we do. All right. We'll look ahead to what we got coming up in hour number two in just a moment. Stay with us, Trackside. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hi, this is Felix Rosenquist, and you're listening to Trackside. Okay, still another hour to go. Uh, by the way, before I forget, I know I said this last week, but I actually looked at the schedule this week. Kurt, we are back on Tuesday next week. Regular time at 7 o'clock. Uh, I was wrong this week, but we get a full two hours. So that's good. We didn't have that last week, and we need it. Because you know what we haven't talked about yet? Trying to figure out what the motivation was for Formula One disparaging Andretti the way they did. So we will do that and much more. And Lewis Hamilton's move to Ferrari. And we'll get to some of your Twitter questions and more on IndyCar. Coming up, Trackside, 93.5, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hi, this is Ed Carpenter, and you're listening to Trackside. Okay, still another hour to go. Uh, by the way, before I forget, I know I said this last week, but I actually looked at the schedule this week. Kurt, we are back on Tuesday next week. Regular time at 7 o'clock. Uh, I was wrong this week, but we get a full two hours. So that's good. We didn't have that last week, and we need it. Because you know what we haven't talked about yet? Trying to figure out what the motivation was for Formula One disparaging Andretti the way they did. So we will do that and much more. And Lewis Hamilton's move to Ferrari. And we'll get to some of your Twitter questions and more on IndyCar. Coming up, Trackside, 9835-1075, The Fan. Hi, this is Eli Castroneves, and you're listening to Trackside. It's hour number two, the mobile studio tonight for Trackside on 93.5, 107.5, the fan. 
in Indianapolis and very close to Pittsburgh now as we wrap up our trip for the evening. Kurt is in Indianapolis. Elijah is back in Indianapolis. We thank you for joining us. Kurt, we're just over a month away uh, from IndyCar action starting on the streets of St. Petersburg. That's that's always nice. <laughs> yeah, and as we talked about in the first hour, we've got an Indy Indy 500 program turning laps as we speak, or is supposed to be. Uh, let's assuming all's going well for the Arrow McLaren entry of NASCAR champion Kyle Larson. So it's good that Kyle's getting some track time while we're talking racing. And yeah, we're getting close to St. Pete. And then we'll have Thermal and Long Beach. And next thing you know, we'll be uh, crowning a champion Hopefully at uh, Nashville, unless Alex Pelot decides to stink it up and and uh, earn the championship ahead of the the last race of the season. But you know, and and we're not going to get into this now. We'll do it at some point. But you know, Alex Pelot, my goodness, you think about just that little bit of hiccup he had with Chip Ganassi and his his legal issues, or he might be looking at a three peat right now. He's been so good. And and winning the championship in advance of the first of the last race for the first time since 05, what an accomplishment and what a champion he was last year. So we'll be looking to see if he can continue that and all that still and more still to come on on uh, as we build up toward St. Pete. We will be getting into those questions and what will it take to derail him and storylines. I've already started making some notes. We'll do that in the uh, the weeks to come. Want to hit on a couple of headlines before we get into the Andretti and F1 conversation before I forget. And so speaking of Ganassi, this was one of those things that I was going to report during the Rolex 24 broadcast on Sunday morning. I was trying to kind of save it for a, a television window because I think this is somewhat notable. So I'll just share it here. I talked to the team and they said, yeah, go ahead and say it. I know they're going to announce it at some point, but Daniel Shepard, who has already won major races in the Ganassi Cadillac sports car program, is going to be moving to a full-time IndyCar engineering, lead engineering program. So she's going to be the engineer for Kiffin Simpson, their fifth car this year. So that means two of the five Ganassi engineers are young ladies who are very talented and very, very well regarded. Angela Ashmore had already been announced uh, taking over one of the programs. So, you know, I know that both of these young ladies have had offers to go to other teams in IndyCar before, but they stayed in the Ganassi family. And I think it was Sebring that Angela won, was the lead engineer for, and she was the lead engineer for their program at Daytona and is now kind of transitioning out of that, moving back to IndyCar. So just kind of wanted to mention that. I think that's really cool. Ganassi, through their PNC Bank partnership, has, uh, and I don't have the verbiage in front of me, but they do a lot for young ladies that are interested in STEM and motorsport. And uh, obviously, it's not just a marketing partnership because they are promoting from within and have found real talent down that path. Yeah, you're right. They, they, you know, Chip Ganassi Racing is not in the, uh, not in the just giveaway business. They do things for the right reasons and, and they will watch the development uh, and she's going to be terrific, uh, you know, and, and, and obviously that car is going to be in a development stage in 2024 uh, with a new driver 
new to the series and still very young in his racing career. But I think as you watch this program develop, you know, there's a real benefit to, to, to giving her the opportunity now in this maybe less pressurized situation. And I think for years to come, she's going to be a real key cog in the system at, at Chip Ganassi Racing or wherever she takes her services. Then I also wanted to mention, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but hybrid testing resumed last week at Homestead Miami Speedway. Drivers, many of them already in Florida for the Rolex 24, although it's not like that's right there. It's still, what, probably a four-hour drive to Homestead? Yeah. To Homestead from Daytona. Because um, I think, yeah, I did that last year after the race. It's, it's a long way. Uh, but they went down there Monday, Tuesday. And the on the record, and I will say this, the off the record comment. So I, I happened to run into a driver a few days ago who would be very honest with me. I'm not, not going to tell you the name because this was an off the record conversation, but I probably could because it was all super positive. Um, you know, it, it, it went well at times, but there were some failures last fall that, from my understanding, they couldn't quite get a handle on. And then it was, well, we can't get back out on track because we don't have the parts. I'm told everything went flawlessly last week, leading to significant optimism. You know, I don't think anyone would say it's all done. We're all there. I think there's another test coming up in a couple of weeks. But this was hugely positive to the point where what was said in December maybe could have happened. Maybe they could have been ready for St. Pete. It would have just been difficult to get everybody the proper testing time ahead. So I'll admit, two weeks ago, I was wondering, how are we going to see these at any time during the season? Unless they get it started again before the season, they've done that. Now I see a real path, and uh, I think we are going to see the hybrid component involved in the middle of the season this, this year. So that was – and oh, and I also heard they were quicker. They figured out something to take some weight off, and uh, the cars – and they had a great comparison because they had just tested the week before and they were, I can't remember if they were quicker than currently or just right about the same. So that's all really, really positive. It is. And I had a lengthy conversation. Well, I say lengthy. <laughs> you don't really have lengthy conversations with willpower. He he gives you everything you need so quickly and so so transparently most of the time it's uh you there's not much filter there and he was great and he just said look he goes it wasn't all wasn't all perfect back in the last time i ran the car but he said this couldn't have been better when i came into pit road it was great when i came on the racetrack it was great i did ask him i said is how much of a disadvantage will it be for a driver you know who hasn't used it yet or a team that hasn't used it yet. He goes, well, Chevy and Honda have now used it, so they're going to pass along that information. And he said, honestly, you're just pushing a button, so it's not like you have to do a lot of things different as the driver. He said, there's going to be you know, some nuances, I suppose, but the team should get that information from Chevy and Honda. So, yep. again, it's it's – I mean, he can say that because he's the guy who's been in the car and and maybe a, another driver, you know, pick any of the ones that haven't used it yet are going to feel differently. But again, with Will, there's not much filter there. And if, if that's the way he feels about it, chances are that's probably how he feels. Uh, you know, what he says is how he feels. And you've yep. you've seen that up close. <laughs> 
Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And it's going on into uh, middle of the second decade of that. And Will is a national treasure. And I hope he never retires for all of our sake. I know he can't drive forever, but I hope he does. Because we will greatly miss him when he's gone. All right. Let's get to Formula One now. Um, And let's start with our neck of the woods and Andretti. And I'm not sure that we should waste any time parsing and looking at and dissecting the flimsy example that F1 cited in their press release, which, you know, I know Formula One is pretty cutthroat and they don't mix things. But, you know, the fact that this wasn't just a flowery, thank you for your interest, we're not interested right now, to uh, basically, you're awful, we don't want you involved was very, very baffling. So we, we don't need to get into that because you can look at six or seven things and say, well, that's rubbish. That makes absolutely no sense. And you can poke holes in all of the reasoning. Bottom line, I think, is this. They simply wanted to come up with excuses to justify their reasons for not including Andretti because they do not want Andretti in Formula One. Why do they not want Andretti in Formula One? It isn't it isn't just Andretti, and it may not even involve the name or the people at all. They don't want to split the money. A, they, they don't want an American team, I don't think, in Formula One. A well, real they, American team. Haas is not an American team. But but the bigger thing is they don't want to split the money. They, they just don't want to – even if the money grows, they don't want to split it. They split it 10 yeah. ways. They don't want to split it 11. That's definitely part of it. Um, and that may be the bottom line that they are so narrow focused. But I still think if this was not an American team that was bringing what we think Andretti and GM would bring, that they might look deep enough to say, actually, we might grow the sport here. And yes, we have to split it 11 ways, but it is going to be a bigger pot to split. Now, maybe it simply comes down to the uh, expansion fee, for lack of a better term, right now is only $200 million, and the Concord Agreement ends in a year. And they want to make sure they're paying $600 million. Uh, if that's so, you didn't have to – this is almost slander <laughs> with, with the things that they said about the Andretti organization. Um, but I still think there's part of it is – they have just started to untap the American market from a sponsorship and partner perspective. And if Andretti Global comes in, that's, I would think, going to be major competition for these UK and international-based teams for that. And they don't want to share that. So I think that's as much as anything, because if you're an American company that wants to get in Formula One, I think you're starting with McLaren and... And Andretti, obviously, especially if you can't get on a Ferrari or a Mercedes or a Red Bull, because that's the one that resonates with the American audience. Uh, Agreed. Uh, It it goes down again. I guess I was speaking. I probably spoke more most specifically about splitting the current pot as 10 ways versus 11. But it also comes down to splitting the American pot 
and whatever that yeah. that has to do with it. So it's both. Yeah. And I agree with you. I don't think there's an you know an ego standpoint that it's because it's an Andretti. It's because it's it's a known entity in the U.S. that would be first choice for a lot of of businesses. Now I might argue that. McLaren and Mercedes and Red Bull and and successful teams that follow are still going to attract the American dollar. They are. Uh, and and by the way, very quickly, you're probably not going to be able to get on an Andretti car if you're a sponsor as well. So let's don't assume that Andretti would get every sponsor because they're going to be out of real estate as well. So I don't know. It's, it's short-sightedness, I think, and it's yes. silly. The whole thing is silly. And 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 this might be the one topic, you know, when you talk about historically and, and you're old enough and have been around the sport as a race fan long enough, it used to be you were either for Andretti or against them. I think in everybody's conversation just about now, they may not they may think it's it's funny if they're not an Andretti fan. They may think, oh, this is funny that but they all think that Formula One is being petty here. I don't think anybody feels differently. Yeah, I think this works in Andretti's favor. Um, and you're probably right. Back in the day, weren't you either a Foyt or an Andretti fan? Yeah. Kind of going back, um, you know, that's not as much the case anymore. So I, I think uh, generally speaking, there are more positives. And you know, maybe that's something we miss. It's it's good to have people root for you and root against certain people as well to, to show their passion. I, I still can't believe they are not interested in monetizing the Andretti participation. Um so all of that is very baffling, but I, I hate that this has happened to the Andretti group and Dan Towers and all the money they've spent on this. Ultimately, I kind of come away thinking, hey, this might be good for IndyCar because a lot of IndyCar people, including, I think, a lot of people in IndyCar management are really annoyed by the popularity of Formula One and the, so this does not impact the drive to survive crowd. They're not aware of this because until it shows up in 2025 in drive to survive, right? Right. Like a hardcore motorsport fan that watches Formula One and IndyCar is likely very annoyed and is starting to choose sides. So from that standpoint of an us versus them, I think IndyCar wins in this. Well, I don't know. I, there are no winners. It's a silly conversation. It makes everybody look bad. And I feel bad for all the investment the Andretti's have spent already. Now, maybe you could argue that they they didn't need to kind of get rolling so quickly, but you know, they you do. You have it's not a like buy a car and go go run in Monaco. I mean, it, <laughs> you gotta develop the program and and hire the people and and the commitment they've made and the families that have relocated or come here and and are working out of Indianapolis and their their sister place in in England but i think it'll eventually happen it's just the timing of it and this this timing is just silly i don't think it makes everyone look bad it doesn't make andretti look bad it doesn't make indycar look bad it makes formula 1 look bad <laughs> that's it and andretti uh, has nothing to be ashamed of here. You know, you could say that you know, maybe Michael said a couple of things he probably shouldn't have said publicly, but they've come closer to taking the high road. I, I love the fact that the meeting didn't happen because it went to their spam. So that, that's something that's happened to all of us. Uh, you know, 
Formula One was looking for an excuse to deny this. And what this also tells me, I think, potentially, is that Liberty Media may not be fully in charge of Formula One. I'm starting to wonder if it's kind of like in the NFL where Roger Goodell is the commissioner and, you know, non-football fans might think, well, he's the big boss of the NFL and makes all the decisions where we know in reality, Kurt, that sports commissioners work at the pleasure of the owners, right? When the owners are tired of Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell will not be the commissioner anymore. And all it takes is about a third of them to say, we don't want this guy anymore. He's out. Um, so it's that's not the structure that Formula One is. But I, I, again, find it baffling that an American company that is a media company would not see the benefit of the Andretti name and Cadillac involved as soon as possible. Yes, 2025 was not realistic. It would have been awful if they would have asked. They would have come back and found out, oh, really, 2026 was the idea when there are new regulations coming in anyway. So this tells me that Liberty Media was acting on behalf of the team's and they said, no, 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 the teams had no say in this. Yeah, we're right. Uh, it, it's, so, yes, Formula One uh, looks a bit like a clown show and good for them. And quite ironic, I think, that as maybe they don't care, maybe it's all coincidence. But it sure seemed like there was a rush job to get the Lewis Hamilton announcement out as soon as possible the very next day. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 By the way, I, I do think it makes motorsports look bad because because the the, the dog is wagging the tail here uh, yeah. from a Formula, Formula One standpoint. But but I agree with you on the timing of of the uh, Lewis Hamilton news. And that's I don't know. People have talked about this just being shocking and and so forth. I actually, it was kind of figured at some point late in his career. Wouldn't you think you'd sure. give Ferrari a try? I did. Yeah, yeah. It, no, I, I shocking is surprising maybe is the right word, but I don't know that I could use. It's a huge announcement, but not shocking. Ferrari is where every kid wants to drive. And Lewis may be at a point where, yeah, I may not win another championship again, but I want to be in the red. I want to wear the Ferrari red at some point, so I'm not winning where I'm at can't be any worse uh my young teammate is only going to keep getting better i might as well try something else well and you know that the pockets are not that his pockets need any extra lining but you know the pockets from ferrari are just immense and what did i see the value of ferrari uh went up some ridiculous number after the news six billion dollars yeah. or something I, I don't know what it was but it was huge number uh you know the 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 value of the brand will go up so it, it's probably a wash financially for them and what a huge win for formula 1 oh Formate yeah they just now guaranteed that lewis hamilton is doing two more years when as recently as a year or two ago you know he was talking about retiring so he's going to be if it goes well he's going to be reinvigorated and you probably get at least 3 years out of him out of the biggest star in the sport still you know, I don't, I don't care how many races in a row Max Verstappen wins. Lewis Hamilton is the global icon of that sport, and they need him as long as they can have him. Agreed. I hadn't really thought about that aspect of it. 
But, you know, I mean, just the aspect of he probably goes to at least two and probably three years now. So this adds life to his his uh, career. And that's good for everybody. Yeah. Um, so this will uh, hopefully they started filming Drive to Survive a little bit earlier <laughs> in, in 2024 for next year. Uh, the new one comes out very soon. I will admit that I never finished last year. I, I actually watched a couple episodes on the plane ride home from Daytona. So I still need to finish up the last three, which is what? Covering the 2022 season. I just got past the Ricardo is out at McLaren episode. So I have a little more work to do it. And then let's let's shift to that now. Um, so we'll get to the IndyCar stuff in a moment. So have you seen any of the Netflix NASCAR uh I forget what it's called, but, but their drive to survive. I have not. And I, but I was told by, I forgot it was on truthfully. And, and I was told that it's pretty good. So it is. We'll... I've seen the first episode and a half, I think. So I I've seen, and you know, I don't know how to compare it to drive to survive or 100 days to Indy. It's been a, a year since I've seen, 100 days to Indy, but I thought it was good. One thing that's different is it is R-rated. And, you know, that's obviously that was, I'm sure, a thought coming in. And I don't know whether I think that's the right plan or not, because it obviously, you know, eliminates a lot of families from saying, I want to get the kids together and watch this. But I, I understand that strategy is, you know, our drivers already look PR and vanilla enough so let's make this seem uncensored. And it's only certain drivers that are going to curse, you know, and it's drivers that have won a lot of races. Denny Hamlin is not worried uh, about any fallout. So Denny Hamlin is going to be unfiltered as he has been in his podcast. So he's kind of the one that I noticed. So that, that was the takeaway from it. But so far it, it looks pretty good. And I think it's going to serve the purpose for NASCAR. Uh, I think it's been in like the top 10 of Netflix shows. So we'll see if that has any impact on them moving forward. Yeah, I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad they have this product. I, I like I said, I had forgotten that it was it was coming. I'm not a big Netflix consumer. Uh, in fact, I don't know when the last real show that I watched on Netflix. I watch a lot of sports. I watch racing and I watch basketball and I watch most of all, I watch I watch the NFL. So it is uh, not something that I spend a lot of time with movies. And you must not follow NASCAR people on Twitter because that's all they were tweeting about the last week and a half. Yeah, I've 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 uh, I've cut my my Twitter consumption down to a need to know basis. All right. <laughs> uh, news today. We got confirmation on IndyCars. Live. What, what, what do we call these docudramas? Yeah, um, docudramas, docuseries. Yeah. So we got confirmation on 100 Days to Indy season two today. I think it's great. I, I mean, I think it's great, and and you know we're gonna you know the same the same group is gonna be involved, so you're gonna have you know kind of some some commonality there. So I I think this is great. I think season two will be be well received, and I'm looking forward to that. About a half hour after I saw that pop up on social media today. Uh, I got the text from the same person that I worked with last year. So I'll be going in Wednesday, to start my first session. Um, I don't believe they taped anything during content days. That That's when I 
you know, got confirmation. This is what we're doing. Don't say anything. We'll have an announcement next month. Uh, and then we're going to, you know, they were there just to, to start talking to drivers and tell them and start looking at scheduling for things. So I believe they are going to start taping with drivers this week. So I'm sure a lot of what I'm doing is, you know, kind of recapping what happened last year and, and kind of looking at some of the storylines for 2024. But uh, that is good. And I think, so I, I didn't read the full press release today. I think Nathan Brown wrote this, but I don't know if this has been confirmed. Has it been confirmed for international distribution of season one yet? You would so probably know this. I do know the answer, and I'm gonna I'm looking in the press release to see what was announced. How's that for an escape answer? Okay, I don't. So the the quick tips I've seen today did not mention that. So I think this is simply a report uh, that Nathan Brown posted on Twitter that he believes Paramount Plus will be the wide stream distribution of season one, which I don't know if that necessarily includes international or not, because I don't know if that's geo blocked, but apparently... Uh, Nathan has gotten word that Paramount Plus is involved, so that could even reach a local audience, a, a domestic audience that doesn't have access to Vice or the CW, and potentially that could be an international audience as well. So there's what we know on that front. Yeah, I think you summed that up pretty well. Yeah, it's not okay. in the press release, um, but but uh, hopefully Nathan's uh, reporting is solid. Okay, so I want to find out. I, I did some... Uh, Screen grabs and cut and paste from Adam Stern Sports Business Journal article from last week. And as I said a few weeks ago, I probably won't and shouldn't spend a lot of time offering opinions on the next television partner and contract for IndyCar. But I will share what other people report on that front. And Adam had some quotes from Mark Miles saying the current media rights market um, is coming along, says that the series, oh, it says that they, they'll have a good grasp on their future by April. The series is about halfway through talks for its rights. Uh, companies that have held discussions include NBC, the CW, Fox Sports, and Apple. And the article also goes on to say that, you know, in the challenging environment, it might be tough to find an increase, but essentially they're in a good spot. Sports are valuable and so on and so forth. I don't believe there was anything else earth shattering in there. So what I will say on this, that I don't think would be speaking out of school and anyone that understands this at all is going to know this. Here is the decision that IndyCar and Penske Entertainment are going to be faced with and going to have to decide because it's, it's probably going to be difficult to find everything you want in one offering. The ideal offering would be someone offers you the most amount of money and the most amount of free over-the-air network television exposure. Correct? Correct. That is not likely to coincide from what we've seen in the past. Television networks, broadcast entities understand that they need to pay more to 
have programming for how do I want to describe this? Less viewed, upstarts, different medias. Meaning, you know, at one time that was cable television, and now it's streaming. There's a reason why the CW paid 125 million for Xfinity. I'm sure that was many times higher than what Fox or NBC or any other network were willing to pay. The same reason, you know, you go back to when IndyCar did a deal with Versus. Uh, at the time, my guess was the mandate was find us the most money that you can. And that was the most money. It was not on ESPN. Turned out to actually end up being a pretty good deal because they got more money. And then two years later, they were associated with NBC Sports when Comcast bought NBC Sports. Uh, so that worked out and ultimately led to the partnership that is now their, their sole partner. What they're likely going to be faced with is someone offering them more network exposure, knowing that that has value to the teams, understanding we probably don't have to provide you with as much cash. The other offering might be significantly less network exposure, but more upfront cash that could be shared with the teams. The teams are then going to say, though, well, wait a minute, we're going to have a harder time selling sponsorships if we are not on network television all of the time, half the time, most of the time. So that's where it is and where the numbers end up and what the number of network offerings would be. Could it be a combination package? You know, I what did it say? Apple was one of the possibilities. Was there another streaming outlet? You know, say Amazon is involved, but whoever this is, is it an all or nothing? Could they consider doing a partial package with one of those outlets to increase the revenue and still keep the Indy 500 on network television and other races? If they can do that, maybe they think about it. If it's all streaming, that's probably going to be a tough sell with the ownership group. Most of them are, you know, let's be honest, probably in their 60s. And like we've all done with our parents trying to explain, how do you get the streaming? And not, you know, that's that's a bit off the mark because these savvy business people can figure out how to turn it on. But it's different. And television still is what matters to an awful lot of people. So hopefully that summarized it. And I don't think I'm speaking out of school there. All make sense. It does, but I would I would just caution you to be careful with the uh, the age sixty comments because <laughs> some of us can see it from here. And you don't like to stream either. I I do like to stream. Actually, I okay. prefer the okay. streaming. I just okay. don't watch Netflix. Okay. I just don't watch Netflix. <laughs> okay, but you're not there yet. You're not there yet. I can see it. Yeah, you can see it. Okay. Well, at least you'll know how to turn on the TV. That's right. I, just, I, I've, I've been trying to explain to people in my family how to get Peacock to watch Jackson's race. That's that's been very hit and miss so far. <laughs> so it just depends on the demographic. All right. Uh, okay. So we've got some other things to get into. I want to check the Twitter inbox and see what else we've missing. We've still got a couple of good segments to go. Trackside 93.5, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, 
hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Alex Palou, and you're listening to Trackside. Trackside continues, 93.5, 107.5, the fan in multiple locations this evening. Uh, back on Tuesday night next week, Kurt Cavan is in Indianapolis. Kevin Lee is in Pittsburgh tonight. Elijah Robertson is not in Tokyo. He's in Indianapolis as well. Uh, I'm going to try to switch over, and, and I'm, I need you to help me with what we're missing before I go to the Twitter inbox. I know one other thing I wanted to mention that I saw news in the last week that Ed and Heather Carpenter are going to be the honorary co-chairs of Rev, which is very cool. And I am happy that Heather is included with Ed because uh, people that, that know Heather think very highly of her. And she is a big part of Ed's success and really is just one of the unsung people in the paddock that uh, if somebody needs something, you know, if, if she could help, Heather's going to help. So I think that's that's great for the events. Well, I would. Yeah. While you're looking in the Twitter inbox, uh, I would point out a couple things. One, I guess I was surprised yeah. that that uh, Heather and Ed have not hosted um, the Rev Party at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I almost would have thought they might have been one of the first to to be the honorary host. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great. I mean, we like Ed. We love Heather and her willingness to help. Uh, especially she, she has been helpful and I'm going to botch the name of the, the organization, but when drivers are in need of financial help, and it's usually obviously past drivers or drivers who have had tough times uh, come upon them. Uh, Heather has been one of the first to jump in there and help uh, to help raise money, to help raise awareness, to help just the, the process. Uh, she has come through for the burger bash over the years Anytime Heather is asked uh, for some assistance, some recommendations, some guidance, she has done so. And again, we like Ed, but Heather is Heather is a different level uh, person. And and by the way, for those that know her story, they met as a result of her working as a nurse at the Speedway uh, back years ago, the early two thousands. Uh, when Ed was coming up through the ranks and I think might have even been an Indy Pro Series driver at that point when they first came across each other. So she has a history with the Speedway as well. Uh, she's a terrific ambassador for the sport. And I think we almost could have uh, just had her be the host of, of Rev. Oh, come on. And he comes it's along as, probably a, as a... in the parking lot waiting to pick up the kids and you're bashing them like that. Come on, Ed. Pick the kids up and call in once in a while. So, yeah. Well, Ed, he, he is, sometimes we tape the show, so he, he has tried that before. So sometimes that's the problem. Well, we'll wait and see if I get a text here in just a minute. Yeah. So, look, we again, we we really think this is we're really behind this. This that's what that's where we go with this. It's there's yep. there's certainly the first family of of IndyCar racing, and as far as Indianapolis is concerned. Two of my favorite people, and uh, I went to finally made it to Rev for the first time last year, and it was it was really a lot of fun. So I'm hoping I get the the tag along invite. It's already sold out, so I'm hoping I find a way to sneak in again coming up this year, uh, early in May, to to kick off 
the month of May. All right, I'll read a few tweets, uh, some comments today, and some we've already talked about a lot of these, but uh, people go to the trouble to responding, so we'll let their opinion be heard. Joseph Hall says, I have not seen a positive comment about this. I think he's referring to Nathan Brown's story about uh, the potential of guaranteed spots in the Indy 500 for full-time teams. He says, I've not seen a positive comment about this from any fans. The only positive came from an owner that got caught cheating in IMSA, which undoubtedly affected his IndyCar team also with their results. Uh, Michael Shank was one of those that was quoted on the record in the story. Steve Hunt says, looks like the 25-8 rule is coming back. Just wonderful. You have to earn it. No participation trophies. Um, let's see. The uh, John, his last name is blocked out. The Indy 500 is not and should never be a participation trophy race. If you can't qualify one of the 33 on speed, you need to sit your bleep out. You're not good enough. Try again next year, no matter who you are. Uh, and I think that's probably the genesis Oh, BD Indy says, Ben Indy, they're doing everything possible to kill this sport. Tony Holman rolling over in his grave, 12-year-old chassis, windshields, two-engine suppliers that are not happy or profitable, no path for no new teams or engine availability. So, yeah, as we talked about earlier, Kurt, I don't think the fans are going to be for this, and I'd prefer it not happen, but my overarching sentiment was... I think it's worth talking about and seeing. And maybe it gets dismissed, but I'm not in the business. It's not my money. So I get the people that are invested at least want to see if this makes some sense. On the other side of things, Paul asks, on a different topic, which of the new drivers into Indy are you most excited about seeing? So I don't know if he means Indy 500. I think he's talking IndyCar in general. Of the newbies... Who most intrigues you in 2024? So I have been of the belief that my answer over the last several months was Linus Lundquist. However, after watching Christian Rasmussen at, at Daytona, I am more and more intrigued by the talent that that young man possesses. And I think that is going to be fascinating to watch. He's not going to be full time. He's probably going to have a Marcus Armstrong type of season, but I think he's going to have an impact on the sport that maybe we didn't see coming. But Linus Lundquist is the one for me. Um, I think, you know, we, yeah, I agree. We've seen a little bit of Linus. We've not seen Christian Rasmussen in an IndyCar. And this is also a team trying to rebound from a very difficult season, but I'm kind of with you in that. And I have watched Christian up close since the end of his USF 2000 season. And I think very, very highly of Christian Rasmussen. I think he's going to be good. I don't know where the team is at. I'm hoping they're there. Uh, I know they've made some changes and some upgrades and uh, some things that are going to be announced uh, officially very, very soon. So that might be the one that I would come up with right now of the new drivers to watch. If you're going to include Indy 500, you know, it's obviously Kyle Larson. <laughs> we all want to see what Kyle Larson is going to do in the Indy 500. Yep. Agreed. Uh, question from Eric Bull. With the renewal of the Coors brand as a partner with the 500 in series, any plans for a bigger marketing presence with race calendars distributed to bars and other items like NASCAR? They're a huge brand that could help push general public awareness. All I can say is I hope so. 
We all want to see that. We all want to see that. And I feel quite certain that IndyCar uh, offers the opportunity with all of their big partners, IndyCar, IMS, whatever. If you want to activate, we're there for you. Uh, Same thing with national television commercials. It then becomes up to the brand, which this is a tiny, tiny fraction of a company like Miller Coors marketing budget. And they have they are offered many opportunities with where they would like to activate and what they want to promote. So I feel quite certain IndyCar has gone down that path. Uh, Okay, I'll look and see if I have any other tweets that I need to get into. I'm still kind of rolling through the archives and we'll update, see what we missed and more coming up in just a moment. Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hi, this is Scott McLaughlin, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Okay, final segment of the program, and we've reached our destination, so we're no longer mobile. And here's what we're going to do for this segment. Um, So if if you've heard our friends at Dinner with Racers, they like to do a a shtick where one of the early guests uh, of their season run, like Dario Franchitti or Elio Castroneves, they'll act like he's been driving them around the country doing doing uh, all these different interviews so maybe that's who i'll put on in this final segment is my driver they got me to pittsburgh we're here we're standing outside in the cold after we finished dinner tonight uh the last part of the show was plausibly live and since i don't really need to update indy next testing from laguna seca because it rained all day and nothing happened by the way just an aside hmd had 10 cars there today and that's what they're shooting for for the season that's more than used to be the entire field of Indy Next, uh, Bajoy Garg was scheduled to be in the car today. They'll test again tomorrow. Hopefully the weather is better. But since Jackson Lee is here, and because we snubbed him the last two weeks on the program while we were in Daytona, we should give him a chance to tell us about his experience. He's driven at Indy. Now he's driven at Daytona. What was it like driving the Porsche GT4 at Daytona during the roar? Yeah, well, it's cool to check another historic track off the list. Um, the first thing I will mention about the track is everyone is impressed with the banking. And as a race car driver, I, it's it's a cool visual, but you don't really expect it to be a whole lot. You know, on the sim, it's, it's easy, flat, and not really a part of the track. But you can genuinely feel vertical G-force through the car when you're going sideways and, and feel the, the forces pressing through. Um, it's really cool. It's not something you really get to experience as a race car driver too often. Um, and, and my GT4 debut was, uh, was a lot of fun, and I'd say a, a success for what we were trying to achieve. Uh, I learned a ton, uh, really liked the team, and I think we got to, to really mesh together well and develop the car and develop myself as a driver. Uh, so I'm very happy we were able to show good pace to what we were expecting. Uh, so we move on and move forward to see what's next. Yep, we really liked Sawbox Simpson Motorsport. Um, full disclosure... We're always very honest here. 
because of our budget, we do things race per race. And now we are working on getting to the next event, which is at St. Pete. And some other new opportunities and possibilities have arisen that we will be deciding on here in the next few days. So stay tuned for that. All right, we're out of time. Uh, We are back next Tuesday night at 7 o'clock for Kurt. I'm Kevin and Elijah in the studio. Thanks for joining us. 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.